All right, it's time for some Seishura. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoop Magoo. And uh, we've got a really interesting episode today, an episode that I think we, we've both been looking forward to a lot. Uh, so I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna preface this or anything. Let's just get down into it. Um, it was announced a couple months ago that uh, the legendary prog rock, prog rock band King Crimson would be finally releasing all of their albums on streaming services. And uh, so when this was announced, me and Scott were talking about possibly doing a King Crimson episode because uh, it was always a band that I, I think was always sort of not beyond our grasp, but like it was sort of in, always in the periphery of what we were listening to, but we never really grabbed it. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, just speaking for me personally, I've uh, kind of been venturing into Prague slowly over the last year, yeah. two years or so. And it was one of those bands that you know, there's just you know so much time in the day, basically. You know, it was, just, yeah. it was on the list. I knew I needed to listen to them. Yeah, but. exactly. It, it, and you know, if you look on like Rate Your Music, it, I'm pretty sure in the Court of the Crimson King is like in the top ten, if not in like between in the top twenty. Um, of just best albums ever. Uh, yeah, it's it's extraordinarily high. I was yeah. I, I thought it was pretty high up on Rate Your Music, but I, I forgot just how beloved this record is. Yeah, and so um, yeah, so we, we thought so basically uh, we decided we're going to listen to three King Crimson albums, which are always regarded as their their three best on like basically every list I've ever looked at. Uh, first, in the Court of the Crimson King. Uh, then Lark's Tongues and Aspic, and then uh, Red, uh, which is those albums are in chronological order as well. Uh, you know, it was funny. So earlier, was it was it, it was last week? Yeah, that um, yeah, it was, it was actually this past Monday that <laughs> I was looking for it online or on Spotify, and I couldn't find it because that they just hadn't uploaded like any of those main albums yet. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I, I I was like I was just pissed off for some reason um like and it's scott thank thank god for uh for you because you have the patience of a saint and you were able to deal with all the salt that was coming your way from me (laughs) so uh so i I mean i almost started uh an apple music account just to listen to this um thankfully i did not or well i used i think i i joined my family's plan or whatever because i i'm just I don't like Apple Music. I'll be honest. I don't think it's a good service. I'm just not a fan. Um, and I'm not really a big fan of Spotify either. But I mean, at least Spotify, I can like navigate around. But anyway, that's beside the point. Let's talk about these fucking albums. Yeah. Um, do you want to? How do you want to do this, guy? Do you, you want to talk in order? Like talk about each album specifically, or? Just yeah, sort of jump sense, around. Sounds to go chronologically. Okay, so we'll start with uh, in the Court of the Crimson King, which is actually an album I have owned at one point, um, because I remember I think I want to say it was a Guitar Hero World Tour that that had Twenty uh, First uh, Century Schizoid Man. Oh uh, my as, gosh! Yeah, I. It was impossible for me to listen to this and not think of Kanye. I know, I know. Because he's he's kind of ruined the song, you know. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know if it was ruined. Like, I didn't think of it negatively. Just at, 
every time he he said 21st century like every time he said that i was expecting like you know jay-z to come or you know like i was expecting like the beat to pump in and then it was like prog rock which was was fine yeah i love love the song but like i just that's i listened to the kanye version for you know the kanye sample first yeah the power yeah i Mm -hmm. yeah i know like like see i i consider it ruined in a way because like 21st Schizoidman, the 21st Century Schizoidman, like, the full song is really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a fucking great song. And just, like, like I, I can't think of a single, like, flaw in the song. I think it's just so excellently, like, just written and performed. Like, I, I think it's just, like, a masterpiece of prog rock. Um, you know, and so, like, you know, that was part of the reason I bought this album to begin with, like, a few years ago. And then, um, and then, like the next two tracks, I think it was um, I I named the wind. Is that right? Um, I think so. Yeah, it's a very. I talk to the wind. I talk to the wind. Yeah. Very like like you know quintessential prog rock titles. Yeah, and then and then epitaph, epitaph, and the moonchild. Like all of those songs were like I was like this is fucking lame, man. Especially with like the beginning of. Like, uh, of just having, like, the perfect album opener. And, like, I arguably, like, your definitive song. Mm-hmm. You know, right there at the start. Um, like, it just... It came off to me as, like, very tonally inconsistent. Um, but this time around, I really fucking loved this album. Uh, I mean, I, I'll just say it right now. I, I loved every album we listened to for this episode. Yeah, same. Um, I, I think, you know, not to get too ahead... But I think if I was going to order them, though, I would probably go Lark's Tongues, Red, and then uh, Court. That is um, really weird because that's the exact order I have. Yeah. That's, I, that's really bizarre. I, I actually kind of figured you would you, you would kind of feel that way, too. Because but we'll, we'll, we'll get just, to that. Just to finish on a strong note, the reason I, I love this album, and, and yeah. something that was bizarre about this listening experience is i guess it didn't surprise me so much on the latter two albums because you know bands in general get more adventurous as they go on but just given how popular in the court of the crimson king is i did not expect it to be as kind of forward thinking as experimental as it was maybe it's just you know given just how well received and popular it is i expect it to be along the lines of a dark side of the moon or like a a close to the yeah exactly close to the edge or something like that i expect it to be a little bit um you know, kind of poppier, symphonic, something like that. But this is a really, like, dense, um, uh, experimental, just very, uh, just a kind of a collision course of jazz and psych rock and pro. It just it is such yeah. an adventurous album, um, and I did not expect that from an album that is you know ranks up there with some of the most beloved albums of all times. Only so, only just because of the accessibility angle. Well, so so like I, I'm not going to disagree with you. But um, I, I do think that like the like sort of the the middle of this album, like basically the, those three tracks I brought up before, I talked to the wind, epitaph, and moonchild. Like I think they're all great songs, mm-hmm. but I felt like those three songs were more standard prog fare than twenty first century schizoid man and you know court of the crimson king in the way. Yeah, um, and I think just to to allude to the fact that this is. I would rank it third out of the three albums yeah. I listened to. Uh, for me, it was only because it felt like after you know the, the kind of first few moments of the first few songs of the album, 
It just kind of felt like this lost steam, and it definitely was yeah. in. It was in comparison because the next two albums are just bonkers all the way through. Yeah, just like through and through, just crazy. Like <laughs> we're going for this, but in the court of the Crimson King, just definitely after the midway point or so, there were periods where it just felt. It it just it didn't meet up to expectations, and I think it yeah. was probably because I mean they were growing. Clearly, they grew into their own. They grew into their own style with you know. Mm how their career progressed but it was definitely it just didn't reach the heights and this is something i felt before like i was a little worried going into the other two albums because i was like i'm, I'm kind of losing a little bit of love for this when i had my, my first listen obviously subsequent listens it, it kind of settled in and I, I got it a bit more but I, I i think that it did it did fizzle out a bit at the end not to, yeah, it was, it was not bad, um, but just it just it didn't have the same kind of energy all the way through as the other yeah, two albums I, did. The, the weird thing is though, like I actually really loved a lot of these middle songs. Uh, like I, I I really like especially the uh, the vocals in all of these three songs, especially like Epitaph. Mm-hmm. Like like the vocals are just really really well done, just like expertly performed, and just like they have a lot of passion and just like. The I talk to the wind just like that that single vocal line I keep getting that stuck in my head because it's just it's just like the the entire thing was just very beautiful like it was mm-hmm. just it, I mean like as as much as we as much as I still would put it at the bottom of the three albums we listened to this was still really good yeah um, like I mean I, I like I was seriously looking at buying all three of these albums today when I was actually CD shopping for a little bit um. But they were a little out of my price range, um, but still, yeah, the, this was this was fucking great. Uh, you, you have a favorite track off of this album? I mean, I'm assuming 21st Century Schizoid Man. It's it's kind of hard to. I mean, there are some times where you listen to older or I, I guess newer music too, where you listen to an album and you can just tell this is like the track. This is like yeah. the defining moment of the album, and, and just from the, fr- I mean. It helped that it's been, you know, I was familiar with that refrain from listening to, you know, My Beautiful Darkness to Fantasy. But that's just such a great song. It, it It's so balanced in both the experimentation and kind of having some, I mean, not your typical chorus, but it has a hook. And yeah. the way it balances kind of the accessible side of Prague with true experimentation, it, it's such a great song. Such a great yeah. track. I'm with you. I, I will, I do really want to shout out, though the verses for the final track, The Court of the Crimson King, mm-hmm. I thought those verses were really interesting and just, like, had, like, this mystical energy to them that I really liked. Mm-hmm. You know, really, like, I... I the the negatives, like, like the, the positives far outweigh the negatives. Yeah, in, for, in, for in sure, absolutely. Like, you know, so, very good. I, I And I think it's also, I really do want to shout out uh, just all the other instrumentation that shows up, not only on this album, but the other albums, you know, in this list today. Um, I, because I wasn't expecting that. Like, you know, I, for some reason, I had it, like, stuck in my head. And it, this is one of those, like, I, I don't think there's any real reason behind this. But, like, I always thought that, like, that main riff from 21st Century Schizoid Man was, like, always just guitar for some mm-hmm. reason. Even though it's clearly like saxophone and like a bunch of woodwind sections, mm-hmm. um, so like, but like to hear all that, like 
you know, and integrated so well. Like, I just didn't expect it, and it was just a very, very pleasant surprise. Um, yeah. So, Lark's Tongue's an ass pick. I was really... This is, out of all the albums today, this is the one I was looking forward to the most. And this was the one that definitely, like, this is definitely my top. Yeah, for sure. Out of here. Uh, mostly because the way they were talking, people have talked about it, that there's sort of, like, this free improvisation edge and that there's like you know if you look in the wikipedia it takes like they say it takes influence from like you know uh eastern european classical music but then also uh you know the rise of european free jazz so you know we're talking about like peter brotsman and like Derek bailey and evan parker and like those kind of guys and i, and I fucking love that type of music so yeah. you know just to hear this was like really cool and then i mean it's such a weird album title too um, yeah, it, the, the whole the whole package is so like quintessential prog. It's just so it really is. Um, yeah, like, the album cover, everything about so it. So um, like it just it just like screams esoteric in in just like the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they like this was this was a fucking insane ride. Like I mean, forty six minutes of just like you don't know what's gonna happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then how like that like Lark's Tongue is an aspic like sort of bookends the entire album as well. I thought it was a really cool uh, way to do it. I mean, it's not you know unheard of. You know, I mean, obviously like, the big one I'm thinking of is, is Shine on You Crazy Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I sort of liked how it just made this whole album a very con- cohesive experience. Uh, but I, it was some of the deeper cuts on this album that actually really got me into this thing. Like Easy Money in particular was a really just, it was such a fucking bizarre track. And I just really liked it. It was just very interesting to hear. Um, just, I, like, if you had put this on, if you would put Easy Money on, uh, which makes me always think of the Billy Joel song, Easy Money, but... Um, if you had put this on and I had not known that this was King Crimson, I'd be like, I, I would have no idea. Like, mm. I would have no fucking idea what this was. Um, yeah, it was just <laughs> that's super cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I think for me, what I loved about uh, Red as well as, um, well, I guess both of the latter two albums, it just the type of album you just put on and, and let ride. Like, it just, it, yeah. it's so, the way it unraveled, kind of the, the ideas that unfolded um that that brilliant blend of clearly having a little bit of improv or, or just a little bit of of kind of freedom but definitely some well thought out compositions uh, just a really mm. well put together album and i think it was after i mean the, after the the uh in the court of the crimson king definitely had a little bit of a feeling of fomo you know fe- you know kind of wishing i had listen to this sooner but it was definitely um as i got to these last two that it, it started to seep in that man i should i should have listened to this so much sooner yeah um, I, I i'm with you i i'm really i'm really glad that their whole discography is now on spotify because like even like uh like there's a couple albums that we didn't talk about today that look really interesting like um lizard which is apparently like their most like jazzy album mm-hmm uh, and it has like 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 this twenty five minute song that's for the title track, and I like like I'm all about that shit. Mm-hmm. So like I I can't wait to give that a listen at some point. Um, I I thought Lark's, Lark's I think the cool thing about Lark's songs was sort of how 
it still felt like the same band that was that made in the court of the crimson king even though it's a completely different lineup with mm-hmm. the exception of robert fripp um but you know like but it, it still had that like king crimson edge to it like you you knew it was these guys even though it was very strange yeah and it was it, it, it because it was it was more like the like they really had an idea of what their sound would be like and you know they they sort of just enveloped these influences as opposed to let the influences envelop them Mm -hmm, for sure uh which you know it's 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 tough sometimes for artists to do something like that you know like like sometimes if you make you know if you try to you know change genres you know it it can end up swallowing you whole Mm -hmm. and you know it's just it's it's cool to see how this is more of an extension of their sound than anything else and it was, I think this is like, I think what's really cool about this, and I think somebody, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I remember reading this somewhere, I can't exactly remember where, but like they said that like, this is the album that King Crimson stopped being sort of a prog rock band and sort of proved themselves to be capable of real experimentation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely love Lark's songs. And um, well, we're going pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like um, I got somewhat of a similar thing from uh, Lark's Dog and Red. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, more or less. I, I think definitely. I, I felt like Red was a little more straight, like straight laced. Mm-hmm. Um, but that isn't to say that it was bad by any means. So. Yeah. What, what were you going to say before I so rudely interrupted you? No. Yeah. I mean, I was. I, I, I definitely feel like that. What puts Red in second and Lark's in first is the, the fact that it just it felt so much freer. It just felt so much more. Um, maybe not so much more, but it definitely felt more experimental. Whereas I feel like Red, uh, Red kind of split the line between. And, and this is where, to your point about, there's so many interesting things in their discography because. Um, in looking at all the other albums, there definitely were some that that I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to listen to more. I would love to hear how their their discography develops. To me, it felt like Red kind of split the line between. Yeah. It was you know it had that that freed up and crazy element to it, but also was a bit more restrained or at least a bit more organized. Um, yeah, I, I I get what you mean. Like it, it felt like that they had taken like they, they were sort of able to rein in. Mm-hmm. that like wild stallion that is lark's tongues and aspic yeah and uh like i was just thinking of like like i think probably the most memorable moment on red for me was the title track uh mm-hmm. which is the the first track and just that guitar riff that guitar riff really stays in my head and it it, it interests me why it stays in my head because like if if you listen to it, it it's you know it's very repetitive but at the same time, there's so much, like, there's so many tiny little differences that happen with, within the riff before it starts over again mm-hmm. that, like, really, like, it sucks you in really fast. It's, like, I found that to be really, really cool. Um, just to see, like, you know, that you, you can write a prog riff that isn't, like, total, like, wankery. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, and I think kind of a, a sub point to what you just said is that they kicked off 
all three of these albums in, in a huge way. Like the, the lead off songs on, on yeah. obviously doing 21st Century Skitsway Man is, is kind of a, the best example. But I feel like every album just it, it began with such a bang. Like yeah. there, there wasn't a slow build up in, in, in any sense. It was just very much like this is what we're about. This is what we're doing. Um, and I, I appreciated that. I appreciated that the ambition kind of began from the onset. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you. I, yeah, I, I really don't know what else to say because I, I, I really like, I, I can't think of any real negatives about these last two albums, like anything that I would really like point out as mm-hmm. like possible detriments. Yeah. Um, I, 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 like, I think it's, I, I guess it would sort of depend, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's music and subjective. It depends on who's listening to it. But I think, if you are coming to this with perhaps not the biggest history of Prague under your belt, uh, I, I could see this getting a little bit annoying. Oh, for I sure. Guess. Yeah. Um, I think someone like a Yes or a Pink Floyd is a much better start for Prague Rock. Yeah. I mean, I was just even thinking like like if, if like someone had just listened to like Dark Side of the Moon or something like that and then mm-hmm. turned on like Lark's Tongues. I don't know. I don't know if they'd like it. Yeah, they they may even that's a good point. They may even need you know intermediate album, you know. Yeah. Yes, and Pink Floyd kind of being the the gateway, and then maybe something, something else a little bit, in it's as really, a bridge. Like, I don't I I, I don't like I, I feel like it's, you know, to label artists sometimes can be um, often detrimental to the enjoyment of the artist uh-huh. in a way, uh, but like people have described like Tom Waits as like an artist's artist. And, like, I feel like the same thing is kind of here, too, that, like, King Crimson is sort of like a prog rock band's prog rock band. That's a that's a great way to put it. Like, like when I actually, I think it was while I was listening to Red that all I could, th- all I could think of was, like, so, like, this is what Mikhail Ackerfeld, like, actually wants to make. Like, <laughs> he, you know, but, but he like just he's can't failing do it. at. Yeah. Um, like, like, in like, like, if you think about it like that, it's like, oh, I, I totally get where he's coming from. Like, I would love to, like, it'd be amazing to make something of this caliber. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, you, you sort of got to be, you, you got to be you. Like, you, you can't just, like, rip off, you know, somebody like Greta Van Fleet. So, yeah, and this um, is clearly, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone truly rip this off or, yeah. or whatever in, in the same way. So, I, I feel like, um, to be fair, like like I I don't think Opeth is trying to rip off these guys, but like you you can definitely hear that like Mikhail Ackerfeld definitely owns a couple King, King Crimson albums. Yeah, so. for sure, and, and I think yeah. he is trying to. Um, I think at one point we said we were going to do an Opeth episode, and I'd still really like to do that. Maybe we maybe, maybe we got to space out the prog a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, well, I, I I thought that we were going to do that once they um. Once the date of uh, Opeth's newest album came a little yes, closer, yes, you are absolutely right. Yeah, um, but I feel like yeah, that that's been something that I've felt quite a bit with with um, the the newer Opeth I've heard, and I would I would definitely like to hear um, a bit more before kind of squarely yeah. going down this opinion. But I feel I, like what were you gonna say? Oh, I well, I, I was just gonna say like um, you know, it'd be. I wonder whether having listened to like these type of albums first maybe had an effect on you know us listening to like Sorceress and those type of albums afterwards. Like, I, it'll I'm, it'll be interesting because I yeah. think the the more because um, frankly when when it first came out, um, I can't say I had 
that big an issue with uh, Heritage, the first one. Like, I didn't really get what people were saying, but the more I've explored prog rock and different... Um, yeah, more, 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 yeah, more different, different. You know, it's hard to know what exactly he's influenced by, but different things that sound like this is what he's been, what he's been influenced so. by. Yeah. Um, it definitely has become clear to me that he's trying to grasp onto something that I don't think he's super. You know, it's super easy for him to do, and, and that's just because King Crimson is so singular. And frankly, even even yes, and, and Pink Floyd, you know, they, they've kind of set. Of, of groundwork but they still have their own unique voice and I think yeah. of, of the the foundational prog rock I've listened to I mean I think Kim, Kim Crimson is pretty much uh, that's not that's not true I, I really want to listen to Giant uh, Gentle Giant at some point um, oh yeah that, that's another uh, band that I, I've just been very uh, what's that big album of theirs um, it, it's the one with the card it's like a, a, a like I, I've seen oh it's Octopus I'm thinking I think it's Octopus those, the album with the I think it's like a king uh, the fold I think Jake had it my old college roommate where if you fold it out it's like it looks like a full like playing card um, I think that's the one I always saw that was the oh I I always heard Octopus um, well it might be I, like I, Cr- Oliver from Deep Cuts really swore by Octopus well uh, it might be like a you know Pink Floyd has Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here. I mean, and, Frank and the Wall. Wall. Yeah, so it might be <laughs> and animals. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I anyway. So I I think we're just I I really enjoyed my time listening. To this. I I kind of wish I had listened to it more. Actually, I listened to I listened to through all these twice. Um, and I kind of wish I you know I I I just I I you know so we're gonna be hopefully CD shopping. Uh, it hopefully if our schedules align right this sunday so i'm hoping that we uh i'm hoping that i'm able to find some king crimson mm-hmm. at, at our at, at our local cd store because i could really go for just something like that because like it's i think what's nice about this type of stuff is that like you know i, I feel like you could put it on multiple times within like a single listening session mm-hmm. and not be totally sick of it uh which is really tough to say for a lot of prog rock at least for me anyway like like i i like wish you were here i think is a fucking great album like it's one of my favorite albums but like i i would not listen to that album back back to back like or or even like a um i'm trying to think of like another like prog album that would sort of be in that area um maybe even like yes but i haven't really listened to yes a whole lot oh Um, I, i love yes I, yes, see, I've listened great. to Close to the Edge, but like that was a very long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You have to hum the whole thing now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, all, all the way to like the little end where like it trills out <laughs> with the flute. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. I just have this way of just like completely derailing the conversation. It's like I don't know if I would call it a talent, but it's a quirk. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I, all I have to say is is I, I think these three albums were fucking great. I, I can't wait to listen to these guys more. Um, I can definitely see why they're such kind of like a cult band in a way because like I, I, I can't see them ever being that popular. And with the way Robert Fripp has uh, managed the band, you know, during his time, I can't see it ever becoming like this you know, huge force. Uh, 
But at the mm-hmm. same time, it it rules like sort of the underground in a way, like it, it it's sort of it, it's almost like it doesn't belong in the mainstream, but it doesn't belong in the underground either. Like it's too big for the underground, but it's not big enough for the mainstream. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to my original point: is I, I'm genuinely surprised this is as big as it is. You know, it's it's pretty. It's kind of like. Uh, it's not a, a great parallel, but that's why I'm not surprised Henry Cow isn't bigger than they are. Um, um, like, I just there yeah. are certain. I think King Crimson is is quite a bit more accessible, but they're one of those bands that's definitely rooted in experimentation, and it's it's well, they're not in the same playing field as a Pink Floyd or as a, a Yes. And again, this is yeah, just me. Ex- this so- is just me exploring my own perceived biases initially but i think that's that's where i was coming from and that's why i was so pleasantly surprised is that this is not remotely where i thought i would end up uh, well like i i okay just to jump on the henry cow point really quick because because i think the difference between them and like king crimson and like any other prog rock band is that like henry cow is like incredibly political Mm-hmm. Like to the point that like they they were considered a musical like a music collective and they actually like voted on like specific aspects of their composition mm-hmm. and things like that like and they kind of had like this commune type of bit, like living style like lifestyle going on too and it was just this very um, anti you know big business type of thing so like you know and and I mean because without saying that most of their like pretty much all their stuff is out of print too mm-hmm. whereas like king crimson you know they i mean it's taken them a little while but they've put out remasters of of all their big work so i i, I don't know um <laughs> i i i feel like i feel like i sort of derailed us again but um no like i i just i was trying to think of like kind of a experimental rock band it was the, that was just the first one one that came to mind um See, like, I, I, I don't really think of, like, Henry Cow as, like, a prog band, as strange as that is. But, like, I feel like they're way too avant-garde to be a prog band. Like, like their their music barely resembles rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, to, no, to me anyway. But I, I totally agree. I was just, I was thinking of something that... Like the first thing I could think of that was a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just splitting hairs at this point. So, <laughs> um, do you, are you, are you all done with? Um, yeah, I'm just. The section? Like, I think. With oh, the, the, with hey, the... but, but just sorry, I, I just have to notice. I, I have to look at because I was looking up, uh, just, you know, Rachel Music's custom chart to see if there's anything that was like, sort of underground that was really popular, um. But I noticed that uh, the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, um, the the rate your music rating is is four is four twenty. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So thanks, thanks for that was an important thing to mention. I I felt like it was, you know, I I you know I and I mean my my opinion is more important than anybody else's. I mean, I thought we've made that clear. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what what were you gonna say before I before I was an asshole <laughs> uh i don't i don't know if i remember at this point to be <laughs> honest i really don't jim jam ruining podcasts yeah. in 2016 oh that's uh, awesome <laughs> god i i was trying to look through just to see if the, there was anything you know that we could talk about that was like sort of underground maybe slint which slint spiderland which is coincidentally right next to king crimson's red uh um, I, I mean i love spiderland i don't i don't yeah. think I don't know oh, if it's, it's a great album. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I, I, I really should listen to it more. Maybe, maybe I should buy that this week. It's such an interesting... And, and this is the last we'll say about it, because this is getting really off topic. But yeah. it's interesting how far genres can come, because like that was kind of the OG post-rock. And if you listen to most post-rock nowadays, yeah. it sounds absolutely <laughs> nothing like that album. Yeah, or, or like, um, I, I haven't listened to them, but like Talk Talk is considered like early, early post-rock. Yeah, and you can hear like you can hear it if you listen to their, um, their two last albums. You can totally... I mean, it definitely does not... Like, it doesn't fit um, like current standards, but you can absolutely yeah. see where, you know, bands took from it. Um, yeah. So, all right. So, our our next section. Um, you you want you had a good name for this, yes, so I'm so just gonna let this, you go for it. This next section it is called uh, the Discog Gulag, and this Ooh, is that is good. Yeah, uh, these are album. This is actually Jimmy's idea. Uh, you know, things in our collection, um, different purchases we've made that uh, we kind of wish we didn't. <laughs> we kind of wish. <laughs> yep. Um, and I'm glad we're doing this instead of. Uh, I feel like if we did, you know, our favorite picks in our discography, that would be that could be an episode in and of itself. Whereas I feel yeah, like this. I, oh no, I, I see. See, for me, like ninety nine percent of what I bought are is my favorite pick. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> exactly. Discovery, so exactly. Whereas yeah. this, I feel like I I came up with the. I didn't really put a number on it. I just kind of looked through and found um, what I thought were uh, just kind of the quintessential. Like I kind of wish I hadn't. Like if I went back and I had the choice. Because most of the stuff, there's some albums I don't listen to as much, but I'm not like I don't feel badly for owning them. Whereas these, mm-hmm. I kind of I would have gone back and been like, you know what, you're on the fence. I'm gonna push you over to the right side of the fence. Yeah, I, I agree. I have. Uh, do you mind if I start off first, or you can go ahead? If yeah, you want. we'll just uh, we'll alternate. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so my biggest one is is kind of like a group. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any of these on my on my shelf before. But uh, a couple there are a couple labels that put out like these jazz compilations oh, that yeah. are like by like a certain artist, uh-huh. and it's like four discs of of just like you know like it'd be like two albums in one on mm-hmm. one on each disc, and it's like you know it, it, like they have sometimes usually pretty big albums by them, and I have let's see one two three four five six seven oh no no I'm sorry uh, one two three four I have five, um, and I have two two of them are are monk collections mm-hmm. uh, and like i really really regret buying these it, it's I, I think i bought them because they were really they were like a really cheap alternative to buying the separate albums mm-hmm. uh but the thing oh, is sure. like yeah but in like, like I, I don't consider this like a good quality of mine but like when when i have like a two-in-one album for some reason i tend not to listen to it mm-hmm um, just because, like, I, I don't want to have to just, like, stop at a certain number or, like, you know, keep fast-forwarding to a certain track yeah. so I can just listen to that album. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather just put on the album. Exactly. Like, the, that's why, like, like I have a couple box sets that are, like, you know, or, like, just, like, album collections of, like, Bauhaus, Ray Charles, ZZ Top. That, and, like, the difference between those is that, like, they actually have the single albums on single discs. Like, mm-hmm. that, that actually makes sense to me. But, like... Like all like all the albums that are in these collections, like I like the Ornette Coleman one actually probably bothers me the most because like every single album on it is like fucking amazing. Like it was really, really well curated. But like I, I just don't wanna listen to like Shape of Jazz to come and then like, you know, uh Change of the Century. 
Yeah, like, I totally I, get that. Yeah, like so it sucks because like a lot of a lot of the ones that I have. So I have uh, Ornak Coleman, Dexter Gordon, Bill Evans, and then as I said, two Thelonious Monk collections. Like I love virtually all the albums that are on these things, but like I just I, I can't even tell you the last time I've actually looked at one or like you know just just like listen to it because it just it just really like. I, it becomes tedious because you have to sort of pick, oh, which album out of this collection? And it's like, then you have to sort of speed yourself up, you know, to fast forward or what have you, or, you know. And then um, I think just to add on to this a little bit, I have these two Impulse um, collections. Uh, one's like a Mingus collection that has uh, Black Saint and the Center Lady and uh, Mingus, Mingus, Mingus. Mm-hmm. on it and that uh an alice coltrane one that has like i think it's um lord of lords and oh this other one i can't remember it now but like those are both great like like in both albums on both of these collections like so all four of these albums i guess are <laughs> really really good like I, I i legitimately love them but like i just don't want to put it on and it's 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 partially because it's just like that that's a lot of any artist to listen to at once especially when you're talking about someone like Mingus who's like you know late era music is pretty dense and Alice Coltrane whose music is always dense mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's just like a lot and it's, I, it's something I'm actually trying to rectify and like I, I'm, I'm trying to sort of get rid of these like phase these collections out slowly uh, with just the actual albums instead mm-hmm. um but yeah so what about you good sir so the first one I, th- I think this is one that i've brought up before um I've, I've mentioned how and a lot of these are vinyl only because you know vinyl obviously costs more than cds do so and looking back some of the cds i don't listen to as much or like i'm not crazy about the music that i ended up hearing um it's kind of whatever because i didn't spend that much on it but the vinyl kind of hurts a little bit more which is why yeah. there's, there's more of those on here uh the first one uh i've mentioned before that electronic music is kind of hit or miss on vinyl in terms of how yeah. it sounds um there are some vitally you know like ben frost tim hecker where it's just it's super well pressed it's a really nice uh gram uh, in terms of the actual quality of the vinyl itself, yeah, uh, 180 gram or whatever. Yeah, or or, or yeah. more, or around that, or whatever. It's just it, it's if it, it sounds great, it sounds like a nice organic recording. Uh, mm-hmm. That is not the case for my copy of Post by Bjork. Really? Uh, it was you know advertised pink vinyl. I thought that fit because it's kind of a pink. Oh right, the, 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 this is the really thin one, right? Yeah, like I took it out and I it's I mean I I'm haven't gone through every single vinyl you know, piece of vinyl I own but um, you know recently but it's definitely to me it feels like the thinnest it was it's just super like razor thin uh, the sound it, I mean obviously I love love the album love the music on it but the sound is just super thin just not not full it just sounds very it just it just doesn't doesn't sound good um, and I, I kind of regret it's not one that i regret it you know i was on the fence at the time it was it was actually yeah. it was pretty affordable but just i really wish i had it on cd because yeah I, it's I have the rest shame. of it's it, like that, that that's like one of my personal favorite Bjork albums. yeah it's a great and i own a lot of her other albums on cd and i think eventually i might buy that on cd but yeah the sound was just super just not it, it did not fit the the music at all and i was disappointed in in what ended up um what it ended up being 
Yeah, that's that sucks because like I mean again that, that's a great album and I think just I, well do you, do you know how much you spent it on, spent on it or uh, it was it was less than twenty bucks which for vinyl is pretty good and it was it was yeah. brand new so it, it wasn't that's that's weird though like you you would think that Bjork you know Bjork's like management would put out you know a quality pressing yeah that that's why I was I was surprised too I was like why yeah. like I was when I started playing it I was like this. Is it just me or does this not sound good? And I was, yeah, it really caught me off guard. I mean, I jumped on it because it was relatively well priced, but. Did you try to listen to it with like headphones or anything like that? I don't usually do that with vinyl, but I'm, I might try that now that you mentioned it. Uh, I think it's worth look, a shot. I, I found that like there are some there are some albums that just like they don't sound great played on a speaker sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like because there's just so much going on. Like I, I tend to think of like. Uh, like a Portal album, but like I I feel like if you listen to like a Portal album on headphones, I feel like it's a more enjoyable experience because you're actually able to like really sit down and sort of, you know, parse out all the details of it. Yeah, I could totally see um, that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have like another group again. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I think it was a couple years ago now. Uh, Important Records out of Massachusetts did this uh deal because they were trying to clear out their warehouse mm-hmm. that you could buy like 15 albums for 15 bucks mm-hmm. and so i actually i did one of those and you know it came with some really cool albums like uh Burzbow's, uh dolphin sonar and um you know a couple of albums like that oh they, actually they, there were two shushu collaborations uh the first shushu larson or no i think it's the second shushu larson album uh spikiology Mm-hmm. And uh, then Shushu and Eugenius Robinson. It's like called like Salmonio, and both of those albums are amazing. Like, like I was so glad to get them in this collection. But then there are like a number of other other albums that came with it, and like that I really wasn't too psyched about. Like I ended up actually selling a good number of them, uh, but there's still a couple that I keep. That I kept that I kept in my in my collection, and like. You know, like, uh, for example, there's this band called Mudsuckers that they're, like, kind of, like, I, last time I listened to them, I think they were, like, kind of like a noise band. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it was a really cool album. Same thing with, like, uh, there's this, like, there, there's uh, this James Blackshaw album. Like, he's a instrumental folk guitarist. Uh, I think it was, like, an EP of his that I really liked. It. Um, you know, like, everything here was really interesting. But, like, for some reason, like, I... It, it, it's like my eye slides over them <laughs> mm. when I'm picking out something to listen to. I'm just not interested in them. And I mean, to be fair, it's not like it, it's not like it's a huge regret because it's like you know, fifteen bucks for fi- for fifteen albums. Like that's that's pretty fucking good. Like I I like that deal. Um, but it's just like it, it's 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 like sort of a um, it, it, it's like trying to come to terms with sort of the trade-offs of such a deal because you know, you get you get a couple of really awesome albums but then you also get like a whole bunch of crap uh but i mean to be fair though i don't think any of these albums are crap mm-hmm. I, I just for some reason they i just have no interest in listening to them and that's a shame because i think they're all really interesting um <laughs> so yeah yeah I, I totally feel feel you on that i mean that's why i don't typically go for kind of grab bag types of yeah things well, see, you're never I, sure what you're gonna I, get if it was like if it was any other label i wouldn't have done it but important records 
is an interesting label. They do a lot of experimental music. They, they did that uh, Pauline Oliveros uh, box set, uh, mm-hmm. Reverberations, which I still think is just an amazing listen. And, like, if you have the money, it's it's so worth it to buy if you're just really into, like, early, early electronic music. Um, or, like, they, they also put out, like, Coils, like, like, the last, like, two Coil albums, I think. Um and those are fucking great you know mm-hmm. like it's it's not like they but, but like i they have a really good reputation so like i wanted to take that chance like but but if it was like if like sub pop or someone like that did the same thing or like you know if it was another label i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't even have done it like i think maybe if zadik had done it i, I would have definitely gone for it but mm-hmm. like they're never gonna do that so yeah <laughs> So, what do you have up next? So, this is actually an album I, I love, and uh, I didn't. I, I guess I don't know if I, I misunderstood or I didn't see it at the store, but it's uh, Melt by um, Chippendale, Gustafsson, and, and. Oh, do, do, you, do you. I think that's on CD, right? No, I have that on vinyl. And the problem is, is I, I didn't know, notice it because all the tracks are there, but they cut down the track time significantly. So oh, you that's don't lame. get the full. I mean, I'm assuming it's because of constraints of vinyl. Um, and they, yeah, did, like, they didn't do a double LP, which I thought was weird because that they would have been able to fit it if they did. Yeah. Um, but they, I, and I, I should have known. So I still love that. It's like crazy free improv. Um, uh, it's the drummer from Lightning Bolt, um, Matt you know, Gustafson. Matt Gustafson, and I'm not as familiar with the third gentleman's work, but he's very, very good on the. The album, I think he does like turntables and keyboards and shit like that. But yeah, it just it, it doesn't have all the music, which I think is kind of a big flaw. <laughs> but it, I didn't notice it, and I kind of wish I'd I just that's, I'd stuck to listening to it on. Uh, you that's know, on not Apple right. Music or whatever. Yeah, like, like that. That really isn't it, like. It did say it. I just I didn't, and it was kind of small, which I'm assuming they did that for a reason. But um, yeah. But like, here's the thing: is is like like. So many labels these days are chomping at the bit to get like as much vinyl pressed on as many LPs as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, so you would think that like I, I'm not I'm not assuming that like whatever label these guys put it out on or if they even self release it. I'm not I'm not assuming that they're like trying to go for like that kind of like most bang like but most buck for your bang in a way. Yeah. Uh, but like you would think that considering that most of the tracks on this thing were like most of them were like well over 20 minutes if mm-hmm. i remember right yeah like you, you would think that you would at least spread them out like you know and have like a side per, per you know take or something like that yeah i don't know that's just that's really not cool <laughs> yeah for sure well but, uh, was it at least cheap uh it wasn't it wasn't too bad a price but i just i obviously wish i hadn't bought in the first place yeah see i so the next one i have is is kind of like that because um i i sometimes like i assume well I, how often do you buy in discogs um not as often anymore i prefer yeah. kind of going and, and looking personally just because i feel like the endless possibilities kind of stress me out um, yeah so. I, I i get that that's kind of why i don't use discogs a whole lot but there are times that like Sometimes you can't find certain albums on yeah. it, uh, you know, in storage. So you have to sort of look around. And um, 
I actually found one of these at a store, but one of them was on Discogs. But the, both of these are uh, Einster's and New Bowden albums. Oh, okay. It's uh, End Day New and uh, Silence is Sexy. Mm-hmm. I really like. This is a case of like I really should have listened to these before I bought them, uh, because like I had always like End Day New looked like a really cool album, and like the the artwork is really cool, and like people talked about it pretty well. <laughs> Uh, it, like, same thing with Silence is Sexy, but, like, both of them are really, like, too restrained for my taste. Like, like they're, like, what I love about Answers and New Bowden is, like, how just madcap industrial they get. Uh-huh. In, in, like, how much they're sort of able to pummel into that sound. And, like, these albums are, like, oh, let's take all that away. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and what what hurts even more is that Silence is Sexy is is a double album <laughs> so it's so it's, it's it's twice the amount of time of of music that i'm not really that interested in yeah um like i i really wish i had bought um either their first album claps or um this album that they've called house deluge uh which have you ever I don't, you've probably seen that album cover it's the one with the horse peeing oh yeah yeah <laughs> which is a fucking great album cover um but like, yeah, it's just just a, just a shame. Like, I'm not saying that these are bad albums either. It's just like they just really weren't for me. I I wouldn't mind giving it another try at some point. But like, the thing is that like when I want to put on Answers and New Bowden, I want something that's really hard hitting, and kind of brutal. And like mm-hmm. so like you know I'll put on like Halbermensch or like um, oh what's the other one Tabula Rasa, you know mm-hmm. like. It's just like I mean, thankfully I didn't spend too much money on either of these. Like, Silence is Sexy was like three bucks, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's it's just like I I, I I wish I had researched just a little bit. Like, I'm all up for blind purchases, but this is one of those times where it, it kind of burns you in the ass. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <sighs> okay, you have any more? Uh, yeah. How many more do you have? I have. Five more? No, four more. Yeah. So for some reason, I can't count. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have about the same. Um, so this one is... I mean, I feel like I need to listen to it more to kind of come to a, a true conclusion about it, but uh, Husker Du, Zen Arcade. Um, wow. Really? It, it, frankly, it's just... It's a double LP, and in general, it's a really long album. I don't know if I have anything, any issue with the album itself, per se, but I just... It's, it's just a lot to, like, swallow. Anyway. It was a lot, and also, like... I don't know. Just the way... I'm trying to figure out a way to say it, because I definitely... Um, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like it's it's a bit samey it's a good album and it's a very important album for post hardcore but it is a bit samey and i i kind of wish i got it on cd because it might have flowed a little bit better but because oh, you, you have to keep flipping it Ugh. yeah you yeah. have to keep flipping it and it's just not super i don't know it's not super engaging the, all the way like through. yeah the, there isn't a whole lot of like you know sonic variety exactly yeah, I I I get that. You know that like it costs like like the I want to say like used copies of that album in stores cost upwards of like sixteen bucks. That doesn't surprise me, honestly. 
that I, that that bothers me honestly. <laughs> it's like I mean, like it's it's such an old album now. I think like, the reason it bothers me more is because I bought it like full price on vinyl. So ooh. I was yeah. like, yeah, I like I bought it because it was you know it's a classic post hardcore record. I was getting really into post hardcore, and I I I I'm I'm hesitating a lot because I don't think it's fair. I, I definitely recognize the quality of the music, just kind yeah, of the it, listening experience album. and um, how much I paid for it really got in the and way. Th- this is another case of just like sometimes, you know, stuff that's that's a breakthrough doesn't mean it's exactly good. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I mean, like last week when I was talking about like how Suicide was um, my album of the week, like, like that album is groundbreaking. But it's not good, even though I I I adore the album. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I I get you. I I actually it took me a while to come around to Husker Do. Like I used to get really bored by it. Like I would get like halfway through the first song and I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go listen to like Fugazi. So <laughs> yeah, I I think that that's why I'm I really do want to listen to it more. Maybe my opinions changed. I haven't listened to it in a while, but I think. That kind of speaks to why I regret it because, yeah. given the format and my initial listening experience with it, I I'm just not just not that big a fan of of that purchase. Kind of wish I bought it on CD. Yeah, definitely would have been yeah. cheaper and it would have been a better listening experience. Yeah, and you, they, knowing knowing the, how much CDs can hold, that you could probably just it probably just be a single CD. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so. absolutely. Because I, I don't think like each of the tracks isn't particularly long. I think it's just there's so many of them, so they kind of had to do yeah. a double LP because there just was so many tracks yeah i i get that uh my next one this might be a little surprising for i I don't know i don't know if we talked about this yet but um frank zappa uh joe's garage really Um, yeah so i don't know like like, if there's anybody listening to this who's like a huge zappa fan um i'm sorry but joe's garage is a really overrated album like it is it is just not good um it isn't to say that there aren't good elements in it it's just that it's 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 three it's a triple album first of all <laughs> so like that that in itself is already a lot it's a concept album which again isn't isn't necessarily like isn't inherently bad but um what ties this concept together or at least part of what ties this concept together is um what's called the uh the general scrutinizer which i think is just frank zappa just whispering in the mic uh, in like this strange like Eastern European accent kind of, um, and it, it, it's funny in its own way. Like, but it's just like it's like every track. It's like this is the general scrutinizer, you know. Just like we're talking about Joe here, you know, and just like it just goes on forever and ever. And then to make things worse, uh, like because like. That's already enough. Like, you already have this cutting into, like, actual songs. Then there are just songs that aren't songs. Like, there's one called, um, I think it's called Topless Car Wash, if I remember right. Um, and it, it's literally just that. It's just kind of like a skit. And it's just, like, Frank Zappa, like, you know, like, it's, it's like this girl washing their car or something. And, like, she's like, oh, can I take my top off now? And, like, you know, it's, it, it's just, like, I, and again, like, I, I, I'm that it doesn't bother me in the you know when it comes to the actual like politics and sort of the um you know misogyny of it um uh, because I I think he was talking very tongue in cheek about this type of stuff 
you know, I, I think he had parody on his mind rather than just being like, you know, straight sexist. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I just didn't find them entertaining at all. And like, it, it, there is this one song that is Joe, like the main character of this concept album, having sex with a robot. And um, I shit you not, like there are just minutes upon minutes on end of just like beep beep oh 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 geez. oh wow yeah it's and it's just like it's it's like oh my god enough is enough or like yeah, uh, th- th- that seems to be a little much. There's a track called uh, Lucille has taken my mind away or it's it's something like that, and it's literally the same verse sung for like almost the entire song. Uh, and it's a very annoying verse. <laughs> it's just Jeez. like, and it sucks because like one of Frank Zappa's best songs, like one of the best tracks he has ever written called um, Watermelon Easter Hay is at the tail end of this album. And it is an amazing track. Like I suggest anybody to listen to it because I think it is just one of the most beautiful things I, I, I that you will find, period. Um, but you have to listen through all this crap to get to it. Yeah, that sounds like way too much. Jesus. Yeah, and it's just like I just don't get why people love this album so much. And like, it, it, this isn't the time or place to go on a rant about oh how overrated this album is. I'm just saying that like for these reasons, I just really regret buying this. It's another one of those like I probably should have listened before I bought. Uh, because, like, you know, for the most part, I, I like the Frank Zappa that I own. Like, you know, uh, Weasels Rip My Flesh and Hot Rats and Apostrophe especially. I love Apostrophe. You know, but, like, Joe's Garage is just really, really tedious. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you're a huge Zappa fan, so for you saying this, it must I, be... Uh... I, I, I don't know if I'd consider myself a huge Zappa fan. Um, I, I really, I'm really interested in him and his music. But I, I don't really know enough about him, and I don't really own enough of his discography to call myself uh, a, a big fan. D- 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 just to be totally fair. So. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I thought you owned more of his stuff, so. No, so let, let's see. I think I've, I've Hot Rats, Apostrophe, uh, Live at the Roxy, um, One Size Fits All, The Grand Wazoo. Um, I think, I, yeah, I still have Joe's Garage here, so. Um, and... Oh, I want to say there's one more, but I can't think of it at the moment. But just like maybe like five percent of of his discography. So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so what, what what do you have uh, up next? So I have a, a few more. Uh, I do have one. Well, I, I guess I have two CDs, but the one is kind of in a group at the end. So because uh, I think that's I'm saving kind of what my biggest regret for last one because there's so many. But um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, to be fair, I've only, li- I think I listened to it once in full and then I got halfway through and was like, I really don't enjoy this. It's uh, Wise by Joanna Newsom. One oh, of those yeah. artists that really interested me on paper and I, I, I really, I hesitate to be this harsh, but it was, it was pretty excruciating by the end. She kind of, <laughs> she sings with virtually the same inflection through most of the the I mean the 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 heart playing the actual music is gorgeous. I mean I can't say by the end it got a little a little samey it kind of ran together. Um 
but just her vocals and her voice is actually pretty nice. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's just her it's delivery. Like the, the, yeah, the, the, and there isn't like a lot of variety. Her, her delivery way. was so samey. It just it was so redundant and and obviously she's saying different words but just the way it sounded it felt like you listened to the same and these weren't these weren't like short songs like every song was at least five minutes long if not typically longer and it was just kind of the same thing over and over again it was it was brutal honestly yeah really really not I think the annoying thing is like I, I've I, I think because we, we've, we've talked about this album before uh, just like outside of this podcast and it's just funny that like it feels like we're the only people who kind of don't have the best opinion of Joanna Newsom's music yeah because it, it feels like the rest of the world is just in love with her and, and I think that's what was just so weird to me is that it sounded like something I would enjoy on paper you know I love harp uh, one of my favorite releases last year was from uh, Mary Lattimore who is a, a fantastically talented harpist, and her music is gorgeous. Um, but I, I just I felt like this was a little too. It was kind of like for using an instrument that's not typically used in uh, you know, music nowadays. It was just very samey and very safe. Like it just felt very much like essentially she was playing it as if she'd play a guitar, but just a harp. Like she just kind of was strumming along and kind of letting so it's, her like it's it's kind of gimmicky. I mean, she can clearly play the harp. You know, she clearly is talented at everything she does. It just it didn't feel it didn't feel like it was well utilized. Like I don't know if I would go so far to say it was a gimmick. It just felt like it was kind of it was just kind of there. Like everything was just kind of there and just and beaten to death basically. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's that's one of the albums when I look back, I'm like I was on the fence about it for a while only because. Um, I think she made a weird comment about streaming or something. She she just her personality turned me off, and I was on the fence just because it was a little bit expensive. But I the people I I know and respect uh, speak really highly of this album specifically. Yeah, I guess I just disagree with them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, thankfully, you don't respect me because I probably wouldn't have recommended it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, oh, that's so, funny. Um. So th- this one's a little weird, but I, I, so I bought this John Cage compilation uh, a while ago. I mean, it, it's Is it's it just, not like just a bunch of silence. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of. It's it's just it's just it's it's actually just nothing for for you know uh you know three minutes and twenty two seconds <laughs> or no, no th- I'm sorry three minutes and forty four seconds yeah or, no no four minutes and thirty three seconds there we go there you one go. of these days I'm gonna get it right. Um, no, it, it, it so it had a, just a number of some of his better known compositions. Um, I think Rozart mix is on that. Like so, like some electronic stuff that he's known for, along with some orchestral stuff. And I, I don't think it's bad, but it. Um, I would say it's like I think these songs, like the tr- the compositions that are in this album, I think they're like they're better enjoyed live. Um, I, I think that that's kind of what made John Cage such a legend, kind of, is is that, you know, like what why people gravitate towards his music, because his music is, is an experience, and I think being there live for it, it would definitely change your opinion about it, but the way these things were, it, it just didn't, didn't really click with me, and this isn't to say that Cage's recorded output uh shouldn't like doesn't click with me at all because i really like um 
sonatas and interludes like that whole uh, prepared piano album i think that's a beautiful album uh, but just like this th- this one was just like unnecessary like it just didn't feel like like it, it's if somebody had played this to me and said that like oh yeah the guy who the guy who made all of this is often considered like the greatest composer of the 20th century like i'd be like no <laughs> like no <laughs> just it, it, it basically this album just makes me dislike john cage and um i don't want to dislike john cage frankly i i have enormous respect for the man yeah. so um yeah <laughs> i feel you on that yeah uh, I, I do want to try to find um, some John, some some of his recorded stuff that I that I do find more like palatable, but um, mm-hmm. we'll see. So, I think you have two more or one more. I have three more. Oh, okay. um, even better. So th- this one, I don't I don't think there'll have to be a, a part two of my. I could just say the name and you'll probably get it. Uh, the artwork by Liturgy. <laughs> um, this was at a time. Okay, so first of all, so the. What I will say about this album is originally I bought, I was flushing on my vinyl collection. I bought way more vinyl than I should have. This is junior year of college. Um, the packaging was really cool. And I thought the initial single was interesting. And to be fair, this album is interesting. I don't think that it's interesting in a good way, but it certainly <laughs> is interesting. And after getting it and listening to it, I realized just how much I, I truly, I, I, I respect the ambition in a way, because this is a truly ambitious black metal, or whatever it is. Uh, uh, but what, what, what does he call it? Because it, does he have a whole? Oh or God, he, he has a whole yeah. manifesto about yeah. the, shit, the shitty music he makes. Um, <laughs> like I, 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 I usually don't like to speak this, but like you know, it's just it's really poorly made. Um, and, and I listen to it on multiple formats. Uh, well, I mean, really, too. I listen to it on vinyl, and then on digital, try different headphones, try to, you know, play it in my car. Um, it's just, it's really poorly constructed. And, uh, I mean, it sounds best on vinyl. Actually, to, to be fair, the vinyl presentation is actually, the it does sound good. But um, I maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this, but all of the kind of arranged instrumentation or, or the orchestra- orchestration, like horns and, and strings and stuff, they sound like programmed and noticeably programmed like they sound artificial and it's just the the black metal is terrible he basically moans and like half raps the entire time it just (laughs) as i listen to it more it's probably in terms of quality because like you know going back to the joanna newsom record i mean she's very talented you know obviously I, i don't like the way she writes music and performs performs it necessarily, but she's very talented. It's just something that I don't appreciate, and maybe someday I will. I, I legitimately think liturgy is just this is bad music. Like I, I don't think that his music is well constructed at all, and I think he gained notoriety because of just the the novelty of what he did and the presentation, and kind of the fact that it was weird and different. And he definitely wanted people to know that he was weird and different. But I, I think this is legitimately bad music. Hmm. So, so sorry going a little ramp, but just yeah, no, no. I, I I'm just surprised that that you would come out that hard uh, well, on I, them. But like, I, I I never I never figured you for like a liturgy fan, but like I I never thought you you'd consider them to be like just downright horrible. And and I I hate saying that because I I think given and I'm not sure how true this is, but some of the 
some of what I've heard about Hunter Hendricks, whatever his name is, is that he has some kind of like um, kind of diagnosable me- mental disorder, and obviously there's mm. nothing wrong with that. And I, I am glad that I'm glad that he's he's creating. I think it's always good when people create music, and, and especially when they try something different. Uh, I think it's again one of those. This is my death heaven in a way. Like the reaction to this and the way people prop this up and, and like praise the innovation. Like innovation's only a good thing when it actually pans out. Like just because something's different and just because someone's doing something different doesn't mean it's like worthwhile. It doesn't yeah. mean that it's worth doing that. And I think this is probably the best example I can think of where it just it was really it's just it's all ambition it's all let's do something different but i don't know how to handle all this this kind of these elements i'm trying to pull together um and obviously wow. it was a, you know a new um new vinyl so it was relatively expensive and, and looking back i absolutely would not have purchased it if you know had the had the choice yeah, wow. I <laughs> but my next couple choices just just look pretty tame in comparison. <laughs> yeah, like when I got to that, I was I was just scrolling through my Discog releases to see which ones I pick, and that one I was like, oh boy, gotta talk about that one. Well, well you know, I'm just curious not not to derail this, but when's the last time you've updated your Discogs? Quite a while. Uh, just because yeah. it got to a point where now it's like a I'm like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later, and now it's just it's way too many. I, I yeah. lost track of what's what, so. Yeah, I see, I, I'm like, like within like an hour of ripping it on my computer, it's in my discogs. Like that, that's yeah. I like, but that's because I like keeping like meticulous records <laughs> like yeah. that. Like it's just I, a weird thing of mine. I really wish I had kept you know that kind of cadence because now it's just it's just way too way too backed up. I mean, I could yeah. probably just, just sit down and figure it out, but I don't really want to. Frankly. Yeah, that, like that. That's pretty much a weekend. Like yeah. that's. Um, Anyway, so my my next one is uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, by the way, uh, which is a fine album. Um, it's it's another case of like I probably should have listened to this album in full before I bought it mm-hmm. uh, because the only track I knew off of this was uh, "Can't Stop," and I, I don't know if you are familiar with that. Uh, you know, "Can't Stop," addicted to the shit. Yeah, no, I know yeah. the song. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like and I really like that song. I, I it's it's actually one of the one of the tracks that got me into Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, you know. But and I have a friend who was like re, who's like swears by this album, and I I love Californication, which we will hopefully be talking about that next week. Um, you know, so like I really wanted to get some more Chili Peppers, and so you know I bought this thing because you know it was relatively cheap, you know, used, but it was just like. I, I could have just stuck with just Californication or like Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Like, you know, it was, it, it just felt like the same thing that they were doing, you know, as of like that, like moody alt rock that has, you know, kind of a funk edge to it, but not really, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's never bad, but it's just like, I, I might as well listen to, you know, an album that has the same sound that I prefer more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, your next one so i have i have two more i'm saving the grand finale this one uh i don't even necessarily regret buying it now it just was the the process was really like super lame oh can, uh, can i take a guess um this is an album by the flenzer or put out by the flenzer right no oh um this is blood mountain by mastodon uh, I bought it on vinyl, and I'm really glad I have it. But this is at the time where I, I remember I went through a phase where I only bought colored vinyl because <laughs> I, I was in kind of that collector mindset, and I figured well, I could just buy it on CD. But buying it on vinyl, I wanted it to be special. 
So it advertised, I, I don't even remember what color it was supposed to be, but uh, it advertised as colored vinyl, and I opened it up, and it was black. And I was like, oh, this sucks, well, I man. mean, bl- black's a color. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know. It's it's scientifically yeah. not. It's the absence of light. But I know. But, like, like it, 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 it bummed me out because I was like, oh, man, like, you know, this is going to fit in my collection. So I emailed Relapse and was like, hey, like, you know, I don't know if there's any way you can help me with this. This is what's up. And, like, their email was super short, and they're like, yeah, that's the manufacturer. Sorry. And just, like, <laughs> we can't do anything for you. It's like, okay, but, like, I literally I sent a picture. Like, this is the wrap. It said it was colored. I don't have it. Like, can you, can you like, do something for me? And they said, nope, we don't really care. So I don't know. That, that just I, – I thought that was lame. That's hanging it for a while. Obviously, now I've gotten over my – needs to only be colored vinyl i think that's super lame um but at the time it just it was such a lame um experience I don't yeah know. I, I do hate when that, that happens like i mean i i think i said earlier when um uh that latest rosetta ep came out sower wind i had this whole back and forth with pelagic records yeah about it because like you know it was supposed to come out in like february and i finally got it in uh i think it was in april or may <laughs> yeah, so. which is ridiculous. Yeah, but um, I had—I wish I remember what the album was. But there was an album I tried to buy. It was also through. This is mail order relapse, and it was—I think it was. A, I tried to buy like three different albums that they had just just reissued. Uh, Might have been like Death Symbolic. I think I bought like a Nile record or something. I, I forget which ones it was, but they kept like pushing the ship date. Like I, I was like, well, yeah. like well, why don't I have this? But they didn't tell me. Like I just, I kept checking, and I said, "Oh yeah, I expect to be really, you know, sent out in July. See, I, expect to be really sent out, in, you know." Just kept pushing it, and then I when they finally stand that, when they finally sent it, they only sent me two of the three albums. I, <laughs> I, and I was like, "What the?" Hell? And so I emailed, I was like, "I ordered three albums. It's literally right there in my order." And they just, they didn't respond. It's like, cool, thanks. So I don't really buy vinyl over mail anymore, as you could probably guess. I haven't had yeah. a lot of great experiences with. Yeah, it. I know because I, I remember you had a similar experience with the Flenser too i, I yes, remember this specifically. I, oh that's what yeah. you mentioned yeah i bought um it was funny i bought i forget what records but i tried to purchase a few albums and they sent me a test pressing for uh which is funny because if you added up like this was like an original test pressing for one of their albums i forget which one it was but uh it was a pretty high profile one that cost more than the collection of my order so I'm like, I will ship this back to you. I don't want this. Can I have the albums I purchased? And they just didn't like they didn't respond to multiple emails at all. They didn't say anything. Um, and it was like, cool, thanks, appreciate it. That's that's great. <laughs> God. God. All right. So my final album might actually be a surprise to you. Um, but the more I think about it, the more it belongs in this kind of list that we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, the weekend. Starboy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, here's the thing: is like the title track is amazing, and the track right after it, "Party Monster," is hands down my favorite weekend song. But I have only listened to this album in full once since I bought it, and it came out I don't know a while ago. Yeah, yeah, like like three years ago now almost. Um. Yeah, it's just like because most of it was just most of it was just fine, but then there was like a track that was right after Party Monster called False Alarm that was just it was just bad, and like it, it was just overall just kind of a disappointing record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just I really wish I you know again had actually listened to this thing, but I had uh, I think I pre-ordered it because I was just 
because I, I was like Beauty Behind the Madness is still like I think my favorite weekend album. Like I, I think it's just such an amazing album, even though it has like Ed Sheeran on it. <laughs> um like I, I, I stand by it. I think it's really good. So I was really psyched for Starboy and just Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it was a it was a it was a poor purchase, so. But so I feel, you, I feel yeah I, I definitely for me the weekend has just not like since his original trilogy and I guess uh, I think Kiss I liked Kissland, but after that it just I, I have not been as big a fan of his stuff. Uh, I mean I like the singles, but just album wise it just it doesn't do much for me. Yeah, anymore. I mean but you know the funny thing is like trilogy doesn't really do a whole lot for me when it when like as I got a whole experience like. Thursday, I think, is really good, but like most of it, I, I just kind of get bored listening to. Uh, uh, Beauty Behind the Madness, for some reason, just always sticks out to me as like the weekend album for me. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, know. I mean, I'm kind of the opposite, but. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, you're actually in the majority because most people are like, or at least most people who like kind of listen to the same, the same type of music we listen to, they're mostly like, oh, you know, it's trilogy or nothing. So yeah, I feel yeah. Uh, so is it the, the, this is your grand finale? My grand finale, or? and this is one. It's because there's three albums involved, and I think I've talked about this guy before. How uh, I mean, he's a phenomenal artist, and the albums of his I love, I I love. But it just it got into this weird, and this is why it originally stuck out to me when you you um, recommended it. Is I feel like it got into a groove where. I would buy one album of his and be like, oh, this is amazing. And then the next album I bought would be like, not just like I didn't like it, but I was like, wow, this is like not good. Like what happened? Please and don't I'm, say it's Tom Waits because no, I'm going to be really hurt. <laughs> unfortunately, it's Pharaoh Sanders. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it, I, I, I actually can see that. It so. really stinks because I have, so the albums I love, Black Unity, amazing. Yeah. Karma, amazing. And I think I have, I don't, I don't want to pronounce it incorrectly, but it's uh, Tembi. So yeah, I have yeah. Karma and Black Unity on CD and Tembi on vinyl. I found Tembi on vinyl for less than 10 bucks when I was living on Long Island. I was like, holy shit, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I grabbed that immediately. But it seemed like, because I think I bought Karma first, loved it, and then I interchangeably bought the next few with the, the ones I liked. But I bought Oh Lord, Let Me Do No Wrong by... Um, by him and then I think there was some he uses the same like jazz vocalist on half so half the tracks are good like not really up to, to snuff with his best work but they're it's good spiritual jazz you know pretty standard but the other half are like the corniest vocal jazz cuts with like like a little bit better than usual saxophone because it's Pharaoh Sanders and it's just it's like not good I mean I, I got it pretty cheap from Music Connection it's like an older vinyl uh, but I was really surprised because I figured, oh, Sanders is great. Like anything he puts out is gonna be is gonna be good, and that's not true. Uh, the next yeah. is uh, Quintet. It was his original release, and it's not even necessarily a terrible release. But um, you have a pretty standard jazz quintet, uh, or I guess quartet, because then you have Sanders. Like Pharaoh's just on a whole another level. Like he's just he's playing his mind off and just doing like you know his typical stuff. It does not fit with the rest of the band. Like it's so. It's so uh, awkward. Um, is the album called? Qu is it called Quintet? Or I, th I think it's usually referred to as Pharaoh Sanders Quintet. Like I don't know if it has a name. That's what threw me off at first because like, it wasn't coming up on Discogs. I'm like, oh, is this like a rare release? And then it turned out 
it's it's pretty it's just not there's a reason it's not celebrated yeah um, so I'm, I'm trying to think because they, he put out a um an album of like ballads that was really good i i thought you were talking about that and i'd be like well, come on man like that's it's a fucking good album like no like it, it's so, um yeah. uh and i wouldn't even mind him putting out like that like i have no problem with him doing vocal jazz or anything like that yeah i think my main issue with uh the album i just mentioned is the fact that um i just i just don't feel like like i i don't feel like the, the vocal tracks it was just so like bargain bin jazz and i was like really disappointed by it um and then uh, the quintet it just it, it did not it was it was like having John Zorn and like your typical like jazz covers band like make an album together. It just really yeah, the, did. Like, the, 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 that's actually been done. <laughs> yeah, I, it just it, it, seriously. The, there, there's an album of John Zorn doing um, Sonny Clark uh, records. Really? Yeah, oh, that's funny. But but it's actually really good. But <laughs> this one, yeah, I I was not a fan. And then the third one is. Uh, save our children it was on cd and it looked interesting and good god it's just it's like it's it's what when you whisper new age into oh. into like like a music fan's ear and they cringe this is kind of like what they're talking about <laughs> it was just like super sanitized world music inspired dude like just not good and and I, I've kind of I pumped the brakes and I'm gonna research my Pharaoh Sanders buys from now on because it li- it literally felt like every other album was a bust. So maybe I'm in for a hit next next album I bought, next album maybe. I buy. But yeah, that that one is just I was so bummed with each of here's, those. Um, here's my question: Would you rather listen to one of these bad Pharaoh Sanders records, or would you rather listen to New Grass by Albert Ayler? <laughs> New Grass because New Grass is hilarious. Like I think it's bad, but it's hilariously bad. Yeah. Okay. To be fair, it's, it's <laughs> like I, I I don't enjoy it that much, but at least it's like funny to think about the like the first time I listened to it and just like probably what my face looked like being like, what is this? Like what? <laughs> I, I mean, we, we've talked about this. I enjoy that album a lot. It was such a sucker <laughs> so, punch because yeah. it went from like, oh, it's gonna be a really cool free jazz album to like, hey kids. It's hey, your kids, after school it's, special. It's Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, exactly. No, but like, actually, though, if you haven't listened to it, like, <laughs> yeah. please try it out because it oh, literally so is that. I, it is like, that start a change. It's kind of okay. I, I, I we're really going on long, but I, I want to make this connection. Have you ever heard of the movie Jack with Robin Williams? No. So this is a movie where Robin Williams plays a boy with uh, who has like like basically like extreme aging problems so like he comes out and he's already robin williams but he's like five years old you uh-huh. know and so so like you know it's one of those movies and it's it's just critically panned it also happens to be directed by francis ford coppola director of the godfather oh wow <laughs> and director of apocalypse now often considered the some of the two greatest movies ever made yeah that's crazy um <laughs> Yeah, so I, 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 what I'm just, I think what I'm trying to say is that like, you can be the greatest artist in the world, and you're still capable of making shit. Making the dud, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but like, I I feel like Jack would be fun to let like to watch. Yeah. You know, I like it's the same thing with like the new grass would be is fun to listen to. I because it, it's 
it's kind of like the room, but it's like the room of built like filmed by somebody who was actually competent at what mm-hmm. they were doing. <laughs> so, um, okay, <laughs> enough, enough film talk. Uh, let's talk about albums of the week. Uh, Scooter, what is your album of the week? So this one, there's just kind of the description really caught my mm-hmm. eye, and, and as well as the artwork, and it really it, it caught me off guard. It's it's a unique. <sighs> kind of unique for what I typically listen to I thought at first and then it kind of the way it was pulled off was very modern but um, true to its what it was trying to be and just just to kind of remove any any mystery it's uh, Mexican Summer which is a a record label um, uh, based in York I believe and it's called Self-Discovery for Social Survival and I guess they made I don't know where it's hosted or if it's been released it's a uh, surfing documentary with underground musicians where they kind of travel around and along with touring they surf and the music that they got they got a ton of different artists to do um songs for the soundtrack and it really feels so, so it's like a va compilation yeah and and it's it it's like a modern take on surf rock it's really interesting like huh a lot of the songs don't really feel like some of the songs they definitely have pretty quintessential surf riffs and, and and sounds from that genre but a lot of songs just have the vibe like it's crazy how many of these artists were able to capture just the vibe of, of a surf you know surf movie and just surfing and that kind of you know beachy vibe without um without really just doing you know quintessential like surf riffs or whatever and yeah, like it's beach boys and like yeah exactly Dale. and, and it kind of it goes up into you know a lot of psych rock a lot of ambient a lot of electronic stuff like that and it's it's really cool just like as i was listening listening to it more and more i was like this is just really interesting like i didn't never did not expect to be listening to this at all this year like this something like this and it's just really this is really cool really well yeah, done that sounds really cool because i mean surf rock is is really awesome um it's not something i can listen to all the time but it is a really cool genre, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an interesting. How, I, how long is that? Because sometimes VA compilations can be like, you know. Um, I don't. Let me look it up. I don't think it's that long, honestly. Okay. Well, while you look that up, I will talk about my album of the week. And uh, so to continue in my series of talking about uh, free improvisation, like solo albums. Uh, this is actually an album that I almost thought about putting on our list today, but upon listening to this to it this week, I uh, really changed my mind about it. It's um, Scott Rosenberg. It's called uh, V Solo Improvisations. Um, I I don't know if you've ever seen the artwork, but it looks like kind of like a bedraggled Muppet on the cover of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, it's it, but um, it's a very it's. It's a very strange album. Um, like it's so it, it's like, like it's a, it said, it's all solo improv. It's him on saxophone, um, but he doesn't know circular breathing, or at least he doesn't utilize it a lot in this album. So like every so often you'll hear him take a breath, and like things like that. And like sometimes the tracks don't last longer than like a minute, you know. And there are there's a lot of them. <laughs> basically <laughs> and it's so it, it, it really like it really pushes the limit of what you could call music um because i think you know to someone who you know just thinks of music as you know melody mm. um or like rhythm and groove 
there, there's none of that. So like it wouldn't match the definition. But if you think of music in the way that like um, like Varese felt uh, that it's like a organized sound, uh, it's a very interesting, very very interesting listen. That it's it, like just sort of the textures and what have you that he's able to get from um you know his saxophone are just really really interesting uh-huh. uh, i i would not recommend this to people who are interested in like solo improv because it is like super difficult like even though i enjoyed this a lot i still find it's not something that i could put on all the time um but it was still like i'm really glad that like i bought this uh because i i'd only heard about it from um free jazz collective like like they have like a list of um solo saxophone albums mm-hmm. so yeah it was very interesting i'm glad to you know I'm, I'm glad that i came around to it so nice all right well we've gone really over this is probably the longest yeah. episode that we've ever done actually yeah probably um yeah <laughs> so we will just cut it off now uh thanks for listening and we will talk to you guys next week all right take care <laughs> bye bye